You are listening to Love Your Practice with Dr. Laura Mock. I'm a general dentist, a practice owner, and a certified life coach. I teach women who own dental practices to lead with intention and literally fall in love with their businesses. Keep listening and you will see how learning to love your practice turns into loving your life too. Hey ladies, have you ever been in the middle of a clinical day when your assistant or your hygienist or someone who works for you does something that you want them to do a little bit different or maybe a lot different? Maybe you're a little bit irked or you're furious. Either way, I have felt the pain of being in the middle of taking care of humans and not being able to take the time right then and there to be the manager as well. And then what happens typically is we get to the end of the clinical day and we still haven't talked to that person about what we want them to do differently. And there's two reasons for that. One is because we really are busy. We really are. But the other one is that there's reasons our brain will give us not to have that conversation. It's uncomfortable. And we don't know exactly what we're going to say or how we're going to do it. We don't know how to have a conversation about positive changes that don't turn frustrating for the recipient or for us or both. And the thing is that I have had so many clients come to me and complain about this problem that I have actually made a course just for you, you female dental owners, and it doesn't cost anything at all. (laughs) I made it for you for free. It's deeper than I can go in just a podcast. So what I did was I put the whole course together in a, um, a little online bundle. And all you do is text me to get the course. So I have this number set up. It's 66866. Such an easy number to remember. And you just text the words, love your employees to the number, but you can't leave any spaces between the words or it won't come back. Correct. I don't know what you'll get if you leave a space, but so your autocorrect will want you to leave spaces there. You got to go back in and delete the spaces. Love your employees to 66866. And the next time someone does something in your practice that you want to change, you will have a very easy system that smooths out the speed bumps that our brain wants to put in place for us to not do the thing. But trust me, I have helped many women do this before. It's a tried and true plan. I use it myself, text the number, and then I'll see you in the course. Hey ladies, thanks again for joining me on my podcast episode today. It is the middle of July here and we are having some beautiful Iowa weather. My garden is producing vegetables and I went on a run this morning, even though I just had COVID last week. Oh my gosh. I went to the dental mental network. I mean, yes, the dental mental networks inaugural meeting. And I gave the keynote address plus a workshop and I brought home COVID. (laughs) So many people from that meeting got COVID, but you know, it's kind of everywhere right now. I'm I'm very grateful that I actually did not get that sick. I took a full week of just resting as much as I wanted to. It was kind of fun. I did my exams from home on my computer. So I was able to kind of like click through the pictures and the x-rays and make little notes. Can you please retake this PA or whatever? And then I even did some treatment planning. (laughs) 
<laughs> when I saw stuff, um, which was kind of fun. A different way to practice dentistry for the week. But anyway, I'm back here. It's July. I'm home. Life is good. How are all of you? I would love to hear from you. And today we're going to have a very empowering episode, which I'm really excited to deliver to you today. You know, many, many times, hundreds of times in coaching sessions, I have asked my ladies, my female dental practice owners, how do you want to feel in this situation? And so many times the ladies have answered me, I want to feel empowered. So that's one of the reasons I'm really excited to deliver this episode to you today, because you're going to feel the way you want to feel after you listen to it. And I am calling this episode, Keeping Your Power in Challenging Relationships. You really like that, that title because I want you to know that many, many times we dental practice owners, male and female, we give our power to feel the way we want to feel, which many of you just want to feel relaxed, want to feel empowered, want to feel like you love your practice. We give away our power to feel the way we want to feel to the actions of other people. We just give it away. We don't realize we're doing it, but let me just make a list of things that we, we kind of imagine what these people or institution are doing, and it really does, it can, it can disempower us. So how do we feel about our employees right now? A lot of us are scared of our employees. We don't know what to say so that they'll stay with us. We don't want to lose our people. Our spouses, do you ever, not, you usually don't feel afraid of your spouses, but maybe there might be some resentment or some stress or some frustration in there. Instead of just being able to feel the love that you signed up for when you married them. Our partners, many of us have dental partners. Um, in fact, I would say I have a high percentage of my clients are partners. And I think it's because having a partnership is more stressful than owning it yourself. So if you're a partner and you're not my client, just know you're in good company <laughs> and call me, I can help. <laughs> How about insurance companies? Oh my goodness, so many times when I have felt completely disempowered or victimized by my thoughts about insurance companies. Our friends, sometimes, you know, we might have a friend who's um, treating the friendship differently than we expect it to be, or a longtime friend who's not calling or calling too much or something. Our in-laws, you know, our in-laws sometimes have expectations of how they want us to mother their grandchildren or um, how often they want us to invite them over to the house or whatever. And even our practice, you know, you don't think about having a relationship with your practice but you totally do, especially as I'm going to explain how relationships work in our minds today. And you'll see, you totally have a relationship with your practice. And if we have a habit of worrying about things that we can't control or putting expectations on our practice that aren't well measured or easy to measure, then we can get into these scarcity thought habits that ruin our relationship with our practice so that we resent it instead of loving it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I have some things that I'm going to teach you that help you keep your power, keep your 
your ability to feel empowered, which is an amazing feeling. I like to compare it to being a Care Bear. You remember Sunshine Bear? <laughs> Maybe some of you are too young to remember Sunshine Bear. But um, Sunshine Bear had like literally like sunshine rays coming off of her chest. And when I'm feeling empowered, I am totally Sunshine Bear. Or I'm a queen and I'm sitting on my throne. I got my, my, um, crown on I'm sitting on my throne and I'm like yes subjects yes patients yes employees I am here to help you because I am a good queen but in order to keep our power there are certain things that we have to remember that's what we're going to talk about today we're going to our goal is to be able to have you feeling knowing that you can feel the way you want even as the humans around you behave the way they want. Now, sometimes the humans around us behave in ways that aren't according to what we prefer, right? And I am going to empower you to be able to feel the way you want, despite how they're acting, independent of how they're acting. And I want you to feel empowered that you can make the choices that you want to do. Instead of telling yourself that you have to make other people happy, which, hint, and this is not just to you all, but also to me, that's actually impossible. Even if I wanted with every fiber of my being to make someone else in this world happy by using my actions to do so, it don't work. Because every human makes their own emotions for themselves, which I'm about to go over in, in a moment. But just knowing that it doesn't work gives you that much more freedom to make the choices that you want to make, which is my goal for this episode is where you're going to feel the way you want and you're going to make the decisions that are best for you. Okay, so I've got four principles that I want to explain to you. And when we put those four principles together, we're going to use some examples and I'm going to show you how it works. These four principles that work together to help you be empowered. Okay. The first principle is called emotional adulthood, and this is versus emotional childhood. So basically in essence, this is a Brooke Castillo concept um, of the life coach school. And this is the, um, the life coaching certification that I went through back way back. Um, March of 2019 was when I started that. So basically ancient history, definitely before COVID, all that stuff. Um, emotional adulthood is the concept that each individual on this earth, each adult anyway, is responsible for their own feelings. And another adult cannot put feelings into that adult. So here am I, I have a thought in my mind that I think, ooh, it's sunny outside, it's summer. Okay, and after I think that thought, I have an emotional reaction to the thought. And the emotional reaction is a physical vibration that runs through me. I have a nervous system and hormones that help me feel the physical vibration of whatever emotion I am experiencing. And right now that might be a feeling of contentment because I live in Iowa, so I would much rather it be summer than winter, okay? And I cannot go up to somebody else who has different thoughts about summer. Let's take my mom. My mom grew up in California and then she was transplanted here to, Cal to Iowa. 
and she was traumatized <laughs> by the humidity here. It's humid in Iowa. It's kind of like the South, not quite as bad. You know, when you go to Mississippi, that's like some real humidity, okay? But we do have humidity here in Iowa and my mother was traumatized. Plus we were poor. So a lot of times we didn't have air conditioning. Um, so she was just hot all summer long, just sweating, right? So if I tried to make my mom feel content about summer, that's just impossible. She already has her thoughts and her habits about summer in Iowa, and she cannot feel the vibration that's going through my body and share it because her nervous system and her hormones are showing her and teaching her something completely different. You got me? Now, emotional adulthood is when we recognize that and we take responsibility for it and we're okay. We let go of our responsibility or our, um, oh, what's the word I want to use? Our our duty to try to make other people feel something else. And conversely, when we feel something, we don't say, you made me feel bad because that's impossible. The person might've done some things that you had thoughts about that made you feel bad. But understanding that it starts with thoughts and goes to your body creates that responsibility that you need to feel the empowerment that I'm trying to bring you to today, okay? And then conversely, Emotional childhood is when we stay believing that someone else's actions cause our feelings. You did that mean thing and it made me feel sad. Okay, that's how that sounds. And that's how we were taught to, to believe it in our society today. That's how we were taught that, to believe how it works. So most of us stay in emotional childhood unless we go through some self-work, like listening to this podcast. Okay, so this this idea that you and only you are responsible for your emotions can feel heavy. It can feel like, oh my goodness, I made all those emotions. I thought it was this other mean person. But even though it can feel heavy, it's also very freeing, very empowering. Because all of a sudden, you know, you're the one who can make your emotions. So if you want to feel something different, you can. It's within your power despite how anybody else acts. Okay, we're going to go on to subject number two now. The second subject has to do with the definition of what a relationship actually is. As you Normally, you would think, well, you have um, atom A and atom B in you know, chemistry, and this is how they interact with one another, right? And that would be their relationship. Or with two humans, you could say, well, um, Sally and Jesse have a toxic relationship because they say mean things to each other. Or maybe these two people have a great marriage over here because they support each other or whatnot. Okay, but I'm just going to go uh, forget about other people's relationships with other people. We're just going to go with ourselves here and our relationships with those institutions or people that I mentioned earlier our employees, our spouses, our partners, the insurance companies, friends, in-laws for practice, all those. We're going to keep children out of this one because they are in their own category. Um, unless we're talking about adult children, adult children we can include in this category. And I want to talk to you, I want to propose to you that any of these relationships are actually just a collection of thoughts that you have in your own brain. 
<laughs> so someone walks up to me and they say, hey, words, words, words. And during the exact little moment when they're saying those words, I have an active something happening. You know, my ears are bringing in the data. Everything else is a memory of the words, or it's me thinking about what I'm going to say or playing out past or future conversations with that person. So in that way, um, even as we're anticipating future conversations or remembering the stuff in the past, it's all between our ears. And the reason that this is really important is because we find that we look at these relationships exactly the way we choose to, whether that's intentional or not is up to you. But if I choose to tell myself that my relationship with my mom is toxic and I continue to tell myself that and I believe it, then I start to sift through these conversations, both in the past and the ones in the future, in terms of the toxicity that I see the lens through. Are you with me? Let me look at my notes for just a second. So this can be the case with inanimate objects as well, such as our practice. We don't talk to our practice, but we certainly have expectations of our practice. We expect our practice to produce money for us, to pay for our mortgage or our car or our children's education. And we expect the practice lights to turn on when we flip the switch on Monday morning and for our computers to work when we turn on our computers and for our patients to say, thanks doc, I'll see you next time. My tooth feels great or whatever. These are all expectations that we have. And if we put all of those expectations into a bundle, what we get is our relationship with our practice. And when we're talking about loving our practice, like we do on this podcast and in my coaching, what we're doing is we're, we're talking about directing our thoughts more intentionally and not just the default brain mode that's always going to put things in terms of whether something is good or bad for survival. When we're talking about our relationship with our practice, we're talking about intentionally thinking things that make us feel good about our practice so that we can then turn around and do the things that are good for our practice because our actions come from how we feel. <laughs> okay, that was a little bit meta. But my point being that we have a relationship with our practices and it's 100% in our minds, okay? So that was principle number two. Principle one, emotional adulthood. We are in charge of our own emotions. Principle number two, the relationships that we have with other humans and other inanimate objects are all in our mind. And how we feel about that relationship depends on the beliefs that we have and therefore the color of the lens that we're looking at the relationship through. Now, keep in mind, I am not saying that there are some relationships that we want to cut short. You know, if there is something abusive happening or toxic and you decide that that relationship is bad for you, I support you 100%. All I'm saying is we want to be intentional with what we choose or believe about the relationship, okay? Principle number three that we need in order to very well navigate 
challenging relationships is to know intimately and with practice how to draw a very good boundary. Now, I have an entire podcast episode on this, and it is called How to Draw a Proper Boundary with Someone. I think it's about a year old. If you Google how to draw a proper boundary with someone, Dr. Laura Mock podcast episode, you can probably find it or just search through it in your iTunes or your or your Spotify. This is a really, really good episode for if you have somebody doing something in your life that you want them to change and you're willing to change how you do things in order to get that change. So you can go listen to that or you can listen to the short version of it right here. There are four steps for drawing a proper boundary. Number one, you need to really, really well define what is happening. What is the behavior that the human is doing that you want to change? And you want to define exactly how you want them to change their behavior. The more specific, the better. Okay. So let's pretend my kids are grown, but let's pretend I have a newborn baby and my mother-in-law is really wanting to help. And she's super excited because she's a grandma and um, she keeps coming over unannounced without calling or texting first. And I'm like trying to nurse or maybe the baby is sleeping and the dogs bark when she comes over or whatever. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to define what the problem exactly is. And I might say, you've been coming over without checking with me first. And what I would like is for you to text or call and get a confirmation from me that yes, this is a good time before you show up at the house. Okay, so that would be step number one, a really, really clear definition. Number two, before you say this to the human, you are going to decide what your response is going to be if they don't honor your request. Because the mother-in-law is an adult human and she actually gets to decide whether she's going to do what you ask or not. There's nobody who is going to force her. Maybe in China <laughs> or, or uh, Russia, maybe there's some people who don't quite have as much freedom as we do. But here in the United States or Canada, we, we are adults with freedom and we get to decide, are we going to listen to our daughter-in-law who just said she wants uh, an pre-notification that they're coming over. So we're going to decide what we're going to um, do if they don't honor the request. And in this example, what I say is, okay, mother-in-law, if you decide to show up without calling or texting first, and I know you came to all the trouble, you've got things in the car to bring us, maybe there's a casserole and you had to drive through some traffic to get there. If you show up and you haven't checked with me first, I cannot promise you that I will get up and answer the door because I might be nursing. We might be asleep. We are keeping crazy hours right now. So-and-so's teething. Even if I'm home, I might not let you in. Now, there's a rule about this boundary that you're drawing. And that is the thing that you say you're going to do if they don't honor the request. It must be something that you are willing to follow through with. Otherwise, you're just teaching the person to watch out walk all over you. So after you say this to your mother-in-law, if she comes over, ding dong. Roo, 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 roo. That's my imitation of dogs barking. You're not going to the door. 
even if in that moment you want to make her happy, but you promised yourself that you would not go to the door because you're showing her that you drew a boundary. That's proper boundary drawing. And if you want to hear the podcast on it, go back to how to draw a proper boundary with someone. Okay, so follow through with that request. And then principle four, this is the last tool that's going to help you feel empowered in challenging relationships is just practice of awareness. And you know, I'm always preaching this, but it's so true and so helpful. So there's two things that we want you to be aware of when we're having challenging relationship interactions. And the first one is awareness of your emotions. Of course, let's name what we're feeling. Let's name it. And then after that, we're going to be aware also of our thought patterns. Because remember, if we are feeling frustrated, if we are feeling insulted or stressed or overwhelmed or whatever, there is a thought associated with that emotion. And we want to dig around a little bit in that brain of ours and see what we're thinking that's making us feel the feeling. Okay. So the next time you hear yourself, for example, give out a really big sigh this is a great um, way to practice it because a sigh is easy to recognize. Oh, I just sighed. You can ask yourself, what was in that sigh? Which is a wonderful way of saying, what are you feeling right now, Laura? Why did you just sigh? And then what are you thinking in your brain that's making you feel that way? The reason that this awareness is so important is because once we name an emotion and we identify where it came from in our minds, it kind of diffuses the power of the emotion. It's not going to take it away uh, all the way, but you've put it in its place. You've put it in its place of where it belongs, evolutionarily speaking, and also just in your life today. And it's easier to decide to feel something different if you understand where the emotion came from in the first place. So what I'm going to do, I've gone over these four tools with you, and now I am going to give you a couple of examples of how we use the tools in everyday dental practice situations. Okay. So here is your first example. This one is for my ladies who have a partner, actually. So you have a, a partner that co-owns the dental practice with you. And you go to some CE and you get really excited. Maybe it's um, clear aligner ortho, or maybe it's sleep dentistry. And you're going to learn how to do my orthotropics and grow faces forward or whatever. It's a big, impactful thing. And you're at the CE and you're like, wow, this is going to change so many lives. And you go home and you say to your partner, hey, guess what I learned? And I want to make some practices in the, some changes in the practice. And the partner goes, well, I don't know. That sounds kind of expensive and hard. And so you have like this immediate emotional reaction, which before you listen to this podcast, you would have, excuse me, attributed to the partner's words, right? But the partner said words to you and you're ears brought those words into your brain and then your brain sifted those words as being good or bad for survival right and created an emotion from your thoughts so when we're in emotional adulthood which remember is tool number one we can say to ourselves oh i see i'm feeling frustrated and this emotion is mine 
I made this emotion with my hormones and my nervous system based on a thought that I had in my brain that I thought after my partner, partner said words. And then that kind of snuck in number two, which is awareness, which is to name the emotion. Name this emotion you're feeling. Is it frustration? Is it disappointment? Is it stress because you have this thing you want to do, but the partner doesn't want it? Name the emotion and then find the thought that's associated with it. And then say to yourself, do I want to keep this feeling? Let's pretend it's frustration. It's like this. It's nervous energy in the middle of your core, right? And you just, you want to say things. You want to defend your your position on taking on this new clinical procedure or whatever you want to say it you want to fight for all these good things that you were picturing in your mind and that emotion it's frustration and you can say to yourself what am i thinking in my mind right now that is making me feel frustrated and just take a moment to pause and be aware of what you're thinking and then am i willing to look at it differently if I don't want to feel this feeling, am I willing to look at this situation a little bit differently to diffuse that, that feeling of being frustrated? Okay. And then, of course, number three, the, the other tool that I want to use in this particular example is boundary drawing. So you can decide, hey, you know, partner, this is really important to me. And it's so important that if you choose not to go along with me on the thing, then we might have to discuss exiting our partnership. I mean, that would be an extreme example, right? I kind of came up with it on the fly, but you could come up with a boundary of your own. Just remember, it has to be something that you're willing to do. All right. So that's dealing with a partner and how you can um, use the tools in that particular example. The second example that I have is having to do with employees. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Raise your hand if you ever feel frustrated with your uh, your relationship with your employees. So in this example, one of your employees comes up to you at the end of the day and she's like, hey, guess what? Sally and Jesse were talking about you. I overheard it when I was in sterilization and they were saying that your jokes are stupid, that you always say the same ones to the hygiene patients and they just can't stand listening to your jokes. Okay, now your mind is going to magnify this because remember how I said the brain sifts information to be good or bad for survival? Well, we are pack animals or we're used to our little tribe and our dental practice is part of our tribe. And if the mind senses that maybe we aren't safe in our tribe, if people don't like us, then we're going to start imagining more crappy things about what the people in the practice are saying about us. So first, it'll be that one conversation, which we don't actually know even happened between these two employees complaining about our jokes. And then it'll be other people complaining about our jokes, or it'll be anyone in the practice complaining about anything that we're actually the most insecure about. Because we do, we kind of live with our biggest insecurities and we imagine those insecurities being seen by the people around us. Did you know we do that? We call it, I criticize myself, but I blame you for it. Okay. So our brain's going to do this thing where it's going to imagine all these terrible words being said 
about us by our employees. And after you have imagined what other people are saying to you, uh, or not to you, about you in this dental practice context, then you might also find yourself having imaginary conversations with them where they tell you to your face, we don't like you, or where you say, you hurt my feelings. Why did you criticize me behind my back when we're supposed to be a team? Okay, so all of this to illustrate that our mind is by default going to go down a bad path unless you are one of the like 0.5% people in this, um, in, on this planet who just automatically assume the best out of everybody and also that includes you, then you're probably going to worry about this and imagine these conversations in your head. And this becomes your relationship with your employees. And you act accordingly too, like your feelings are hurt from the things that you've imagined or the things that you believe that every, that other people have told you that they said, and then you act hurt. And if you can imagine how you act when you're hurt, it's usually not the way that you would have imagined or intended yourself to behave as a leader, right? So this is another time when we're going to use our tools, our four tools in order to manage our thoughts about our relationship with our employees so that we don't have to stay in this place that our brain, our brain put us in. We can actually say to ourselves, okay, what do I know for sure? And actually in this instance, the only thing I know is that my one employee came in and told me what other employees said. Everything else is an assumption. Okay, and that means that I'm free to look at it differently if I choose to. Now, I am not in this example, I am not suggesting that you go to la la land and think delusional thoughts about your practice. Okay, all I'm saying is let's make sure we're thinking about it in an intentional way that needs to go or that need, that we choose. Um, let me give you an example. So. I actually had some hearsay in my practice not that long ago, and I did find myself um, imagining someone in the practice not really um, liking me very much because of what I heard she was saying. And I did have evidence from three different people that, um, that she was saying this certain thing. And so I did, it was a little bit scary, but I went ahead and I said, I need to find out what exactly she's saying. And I pulled her into my office to have a discussion about that. And that's how I suggest we find out when it comes to hearsay, before we decide how we're going to think about something, let's actually get the facts. That's a big one that we talk about a lot. When we talk about reframing, we need actual facts for our model. Okay what it exactly was said about you. All right, so I have one more example, okay? This has been sort of a long podcast. I usually do not talk this long by myself. <laughs> I've taken you kind of deep. I hope you can handle this, but it's such an empowering, um, empowering episode. Hopefully you're still here with me. All right, so let's pretend that you are driving up the street and um, your phone goes ding, 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 ding. And you look up at your phone and you get a mobile um, mobile banking notification that $1,000 just left your bank account. And as soon as you get to a red light, you kind of click on it because you want to know 
what happened? What, where did these thousand dollars go? So you look at your phone and, oh, it turns out your spouse just spent a thousand dollars on a thing that makes them happy, but that you feel is, um, super, superfluous. Okay. And you get home and you can see the empty packaging piled up in the garage where the thing got unpackaged. And so you haven't talked to your husband at all, right? But old conversations are already playing in your mind and things that you want to say to your spouse about why they spent the money on this, or even just like probably imagining what your spouse is going to say back to you. <laughs> Have you ever done this where you're like, pre-angry at the conversation that you already know is going to happen. And so you've got this thing pinging around in your head before any um, words are even said. And then once the words come out, then you're remembering what they said, plus you're planning what you're going to say back to them. So this is another time that illustrates how a lot of times our relationships are mostly in our minds. So what I want to do is take you through some of those tools that we would use in this situation, okay? So the first one, of course, is emotional adulthood and remembering that um, our, our feelings are created from ourselves. And then there's another thing that's really helpful when somebody in our life is behaving in a way that we don't want them to. And we imagine them behaving the way we do want them to. So in this instance, maybe it would be, hey, spouse, you know, we share bank accounts together. I would like for you to check with me before you spend anything that's not planned on the budget. And then you're picturing your spouse doing the thing, complying with your request, and you're picturing, I want you to ask yourself how you would feel if your spouse did this, how, what, what feeling are you going for here? So in this case, it might be safety or security or trust. That might be what you're going for. It doesn't matter. I'm asking you this question because this, um, this exercise helps you know what you want to feel. And then you come back to reference this podcast where I say to you, now remember doc, you can feel however you want to from within yourself. You don't actually have to control other people's actions in order to have the emotion that you want. So that's the first step is just remembering that you are in control of your own emotions. That doesn't mean you're not gonna draw a boundary, which might be step number two here, is to say, listen, spouse, we have this budget, we agreed upon it. And if you make an unplanned purchase without talking to me, then I am going to do X, Y, Z. And remember that X, Y, Z should be something that you feel like you can do. So maybe it'll be, I'm going to remove amounts from the budget for next month to accommodate for the spending that you just did. Or maybe it'll be something even more like, I'm going to get my own checking account. And then we'll have this shared one for our shared expenses. But I want to be able to save without worrying about if you're going to um, spend $1,000 on something without talking to me. So if you do it again, then I am going to get this other bank account and you'll see this account get smaller. Okay, so that's examples. And then 
what we want to do is have you ask yourself in this situation where your spouse has done something that you didn't expect and that you don't like, how do you want to show up for yourself and for your marriage? And remember that if we let our brain take a ride, take us on a ride where we're just going down that emergency or that scarcity uh, mindset that just automatic brains do, then we end up acting in a way that's probably not how we would like to show up. So we're looking aware at awareness again. How am I feeling? What is the name of the emotion? And what is the thought that has caused me to feel this emotion? Is this emotion something that I want to continue feeling? And is the thought that created the emotion something that I'm willing to question? Is it something that I'm willing to look at in a different framework in order to create a new feeling that helps me act the way I want to. Okay. Like I just took you really far, really deep into the coaching stuff. If you are still with me, you are someone who is primed and ready to learn more. That was a lot. So thank you for listening. And I mean, thank yourself for listening, right? Because it's really empowering to get to the part where you know that you are in control and you can feel the way you want. And you can make the choices that you want, which is how I started this podcast. Now, if you're still with me and you're like, this is amazing. This is changing my life. I mentioned it before the podcast started that I have a free course um, that anyone who listens to the podcast can take. And I'm about to re-announce how to get the course. But for anyone who's interested in improving how they look at their relationships um, in Specifically, this course has to do with your relationship with your employees, but you can use the principles that I teach in the course for anything. And then, of course, after you take the course, if you're like, I need more, then, of course, I'm here for you. That's why I record these podcast episodes is because I want to help you. It's my goal. So thank you so much for sticking to me, sticking to me, sticking with me for this. And I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to my podcast today. I'm Dr. Laura Mock signing out. Remember, if you want to take that free course on correcting your employees, text the words love your employees with no spaces to 66866. Thanks, ladies. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Love Your Practice with Dr. Laura Mock. I would love to meet you. To join our movement, find the Facebook group called Love Your Practice and request to join. If you can't find it, just send me a message and I'll add you. You'll find me there helping all of my ladies to fall in love with their businesses and have a better life.